Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Review and Preview. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Johnny Montalbano. Johnny, great to have you back. Hey, Tom. Um, it's great to be back. Good to see you. How are you doing? Doing awesome. Uh, doing great, especially after a, a Giants win, 5-1. and one. Absolutely. It doesn't feel real. We're going to talk about them and some of the top NFL games from this week. But first, folks, before we dive into that, make sure to go check Review and Preview Sports out on all of our social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Anchor, if you like audio podcasts, and then YouTube, where we'll be posting our top one or two clips from this show. And of course, we have a TikTok at Review and Preview. Also, folks, make sure to like and share the show. It helps with the new Facebook algorithms being instilled. So appreciate you all as always. So, Johnny, let's get over some of those notable week six games. And I know it was a very interesting week six. There was a lot of parody this week, a lot of upsets. And the first one is the Atlanta Falcons upsetting the San Francisco 49ers at home. The Falcons were. 28 to 14, a game where Marcus Mariota only threw the ball 14 times, but completed 13 of his passes and managed two touchdowns. And I think it's safe to say, Johnny, the running game has really helped Atlanta out recently. Um, You know, the combination of Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley, both rushing for over 50 yards. And that Falcons defense has improved greatly, uh, forcing two Jimmy G turnovers. So talk to me. What are your thoughts on that game and about the Atlanta Falcons moving forward? Well, it's 2022, and Marcus Mariota had a perfect first half passing. Uh, who would have ever, who would have ever thought that, right? Uh, look, I, I'll tell you. When I look at this game and I look at the season in the early going, the Falcons to me have been one of the biggest surprises of the year. Uh, I said going into this year, I thought they were actually going to be the worst team in football, and you look at six games in, they've actually been in pretty much every game throughout, and. I thought this was going to be a struggle for them against the 49ers, especially when you look at going into that one. The 49ers did not travel. They stayed on the East Coast, so they were trying to stay in the time frame since they were they played the Panthers the week before. Uh, I know the, the, the 49ers were dealing with some injuries there on the defensive side, but if you look at Atlanta, their big running back, Cordell Patterson, was out. He's been one of the best running backs in the league this year, and they were going with a three-man inexperienced group, but – you know what? To be fair, they've been one of the bigger surprises and actually one of the better teams. And now you look at it, they're three and three. They're right up there in that uh, NFC South. Yeah, they're tied with the Bucks right now for first place. They might be the second best team in that division when all is said and done. Yeah, you know um, what? I said they were going to be the worst team in football. And you know what? There is an NFC South team that I think is the worst team, but it's not them. You got to give Atlantic credit. I mean, considering what they have, especially with the quarterback and stuff, I mean, are they the most talented team? No, but are they been the mo- one of the more competitive teams through the first six weeks in a league where it's very difficult to rank everybody? Yeah, they've, they've been there for sure. I think you have to give Arthur Smith a lot of credit as well as head coach and what he's been able to do um, with, quite frankly, a roster that's not very talented. Their talent is young players. You know, the last two drafts, they went Kyle Pitts, who finally scored a touchdown outside of London, um, and then Drake London in the first round this year. So those two weapons have really helped out Marcus Mariota and that Atlanta offense. And, Johnny, there was another game this week that surprised me. Uh, the New England Patriots blowing out the Cleveland Browns on the road, 38-15. to 
Bailey Zappi. I think that's how you say his last name, it right? Is. Zappi. Yep. yep. 309 passing yards and two touchdowns. Leaning heavily on the run game, Ramondre Stevenson, two touchdowns on the ground. Jacoby Brissett had three turnovers, and they held Nick Chubb to just 56 rushing yards. The Patriots are a team, Johnny, that lives off their running game and defense and coaching. I think they're not this respectable without the coaching of Bill Belichick. It seems like they're never going to get outcoached. The way they're going to lose football games this year is clearly if you're more talented than them, right? right. All these teams that are on their level, they're beating. Right, and their defense has actually been very good for the first six weeks or so. It's just been their offense that has been running into some problems, and I don't even know if you can really blame it on Mac Jones, but since Bailey Zappi has gone under center now, this has been three games, and the Patriots look like a totally different team. You know, in the first game he steps in against the Packers, he goes 10 of 16 for 99 yards. Uh, we know what he did in game two there against the Lions where they completely dominate 29 to nothing, and then, they do it again here against the, the Browns, and look what they do. There's two things you have to do with the Browns in order to win games, and that's, you know, uh, shut down the running game and get to Brissett, and that's exactly what they did. If, if Jacoby Brissett is throwing three turnovers in a game, if he's throwing three interceptions, the Browns can't win. Uh, that's what it comes down to. you know. And, and also, if you're not getting anything out of Chubb or Kareem Hunt, that's just a recipe for a disaster there in Cleveland. So give the Pats credit. Now, this has been three good weeks in a row considering – how we how I thought they were actually going to be the worst team in that um, AFC East. And Chubb did average over four and a half yards a carry. The problem was they were playing from behind the whole game. So New England forced Cleveland to become one dimensional and the Browns just poorly mismanaged that game. You know, it starts to wonder, um, you know, with Kevin Stefanski, what's going on in Cleveland right now. Right. And we know Deshaun Watson's still out for another six weeks, five to six weeks. So it'll be interesting to see how the Browns recover from this. But I think the Patriots are on a good track to win again um, this week on Monday Night Football. They have the Chicago Bears. So I think you're looking at the Patriots being four and three after this week and right in the thick of that wild card race that will start to develop within the next few weeks. Because I know we're only a third of the way through the season. Did I just say a third of the way through the season? (laughs) Every year, Tom, it goes by quicker and quicker. It's, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Speaking of parody and all the craziness that's been going on this year, how about the New York Jets beating the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau 27 to 10? Former Review and Preview co-host Greg Vavernack flew out to Lambeau to celebrate his 28th birthday. Nice. To watch a Jets team beat the Aaron Rodgers-led Green Bay Packers by 17 points a game where Zach Wilson only threw for 110 yards on 18 pass attempts, but Quinn and Williams, two sacks, led it a very impressive Jets defense. Shout out head coach Rob Salah. That guy's doing great. Joe Douglas, phenomenal GM, in my opinion. And are the Jets back, Johnny? Well, I think they are they are there now they're going to have a start. They're going to start having a challenging uh, good test here these next several weeks, but you know what? Since Zach Wilson has come back, this team has looked different and Mm -hmm. Wilson does not need to do it all, which is great because you know, they've got a good uh, tandem there running back with Brees Hall and Carter. And uh, you look at the receiving side that, you know, they've got um, 
Wilson, Garrett Wilson, their first round pick has been fantastic. Uh, they're getting production from, I think their, their young players have actually been really, really good. And that's what's scary. You know, it's the young guys that are doing that. So they could be there for a while, but uh, I I've actually been kind of high on the jets. I think they actually could have been a pretty good team. Now they're going to start having a challenging test here these next couple of weeks, but uh, look, they're taking care of business. So uh, I think right now you definitely got to think that they're going to be uh, among the teams in this uh, conference to definitely contend for a wild card spot. You just mentioned wild card spot at this time. I know we're only six weeks in. Would you put them in as a playoff team or are they still on the outside looking in to you? Well, with how the league is this year, and I know we're going to go through all these picks, but I mean, I'm going to say this here. I think you can nail the top three teams in all of football right now and maybe like the bottom two or three. But everybody else, you know what, is they're right up there. It's right. it's so wide open through the first six weeks, and maybe we'll need some more time and you know things will level itself out. But right now, I think you have to give them a chance considering how really weak the most of the, the league is this year and how they've been able to play. By the top three teams, I believe you're referring to the Bills, Eagles, and Chiefs? Correct. And I would say probably number four, I would actually say the Chargers too. Interesting, because – I think the fourth best team right now is the Minnesota Vikings, in my opinion. They're, they are, they're actually the, – I think maybe we could flip-flop those two. I would put the Vikings at five, but I would also put the Chargers there at four because let's yeah. be honest, the Chargers are four and two, and they have not been totally dominant through the first no. six weeks. The coaching hasn't been great. They haven't, they haven't blown anybody out. And they haven't been healthy too. I mean, they Yeah, that's making, another thing. I mean, Joey Bosa and one of their big guys is out in the middle of – being out for eight to 10 weeks. I mean, yeah. if you get these guys fully back, Keenan Allen, uh, the coaching scares me. I, I think that's actually the biggest weakness on the Chargers is Brandon Staley. But uh, if that team's fully healthy and stuff, I actually think they're actually better than the Chiefs if they are fully healthy. Yeah, badly. I could totally see that. You know, Justin right. Herbert's been playing ball. But let's, uh, let's go back to the Vikings for a second because yeah. that's the next game we have on the slate. They beat the Miami Dolphins who now, after winning the first three games, have lost the last three games. They're back at 500. Kirk Cousins, two touchdown passes, to uh, one to Adam Thielen. Justin Jefferson, 107 receiving yards. Dalvin Cook, good game on the ground for him in limited reps. Harrison Smith is a ball hawk. He has been the mainstay in that secondary for over a decade now. Force fumble, interception, making things happen, creating turnovers the addition of Zadarius Smith coming over from the Green Bay Packers having two sacks. That defensive line is a force to be reckoned with. And then Teddy Bridgewater had to come into relief for Skylar Thompson. And, you know, I credit these two interceptions by Teddy more on how dominant Minnesota's defense has been. You look at what the Vikings did in the draft with the new GM, um, the guy who was working on wall street or something. I can't remember his name, Um, but they got Lewis seen, they got Andrew Booth. Cam Dantzler's developing nicely. They re-signed Patrick Peterson. Harrison Smith is still there. Johnny, it's showing. Their defense is improved, and that's what's hindered them over the last couple of years. Now I get it. Tyreek Hill, 177 receiving yards. Waddle, 129. But neither of them scored. All the scoring plays they gave up were over the middle of the field. Mike Jasicki had two touchdowns. And the Vikings were outgained by over 200 yards in this game, and yet they still won. The Dolphins had 458 yards of offense and lost. The difference, Dolphins had 10 penalties. The Vikings had two. 
The Dolphins had three turnovers. The Vikings had zero. Yeah. So what are you thinking? Well, I think what you were saying at the start of the season about the Vikings being the best team there in the NFC North, I mean, they're now up two games over the Packers. And remember, they own that tiebreaker by by beating them earlier in the year, too. So it's pretty much almost like a three-game lead right now. Uh, as long as, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins not turning the ball over and stuff, I mean, this Vikings team has shown that they are for real. That's definitely for sure, you know, with Jefferson and stuff. And that defense uh, can't be emphasized enough about how great they've been so far through this through the start as well. But, yeah, things are looking very, very good up there in Minnesota. That's for sure. Kevin O'Connell, too. Great first-year coach. Great. Absolutely, yep. Um, and you and you know what, folks? Tom, Tom's been on – has been riding them for the longest time. I mean, he started last year, too. You know, he was maybe a year ahead. But yeah, he's, year he's, ahead. he's been spot on so far. And, look, I mean, right now the way things are going there in Green Bay – uh, it's it's hard to, unless you know again could always turn around. But right now, I mean, the way the Vikings are, are playing right now, that's a tough spot, and and it's pretty much almost like a three game lead already in the NFC North if you look at it. Right, and that's a very interesting point you bring up there. Speaking, um, you know, of teams, surprising teams that are five and one, the Giants are another. Our beloved New York Giants beating the Baltimore Ravens, shocking. Not just the Ravens, but the NFL world. 24 to 20. Lamar Jackson with two turnovers late on those final two drives. Wink Martindale opens up the playbook, gets the Giants' first interception of the season, thanks to Julian Love. Now, this game was interesting, right, Johnny? Because the Giants are down 20 to 10. And I'm sure, again, I'm not going to speak on your behalf, but I was like, uh oh, here we go. This is the game that the Giants lose. This is the get right game on the losing end. Right. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the case. Um, they gave up their usual yardage to tight ends. Mark Andrews had 106 yards and a score. Lamar Jackson had 77 yards on the ground. Kenyon Drake had 10 rushes for 119 yards, but the Ravens, I don't know what it is. Their defense blows a double digit point lead for the third time this season. First, the dolphins, the bills, and now the giants. But on top of that, what's the real story of this game? It's not just the Thibodeau sack fumble. It's not the Julian Love game-winning interception. It's the impressive play and decision-making of quarterback Daniel Jones and the steps forward that he's made. If you had to ask me today, Johnny, Daniel Jones is coming back next year. We're not picking high. We're sticking with him next year. It makes – I mean, he's buying in. I mean, I was watching the post-game interview with Brian Dable, and they were talking about Daniel Jones, and Dable was like fourth quarter, right? And then he stares down a reporter, a different reporter, who's not asking the question as he says that. So clearly he's a little defensive when people get on Jones's case. But, Johnny, finally, the touchdown passes are starting to come. The rookies are making an impact. Evan blocking on the offensive line. Daniel Bellinger leads all rookie tight ends in pretty much every statistical category through six weeks of the season. Beautiful catch, by the way, in the end zone. And then Wandale Robinson, finally healthy, scores a touchdown. Jones has a weapon to throw to now. I think those, Johnny, I hate to say it, our second and fourth round picks are Jones' best two weapons to throw to right now. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, Saquon Barkley's looked like the Barkley of his rookie year, but some of some of some of these uh, stats that you've seen come out um, since this game are just remarkable. You think if you look at this, Tom, the 2022 yeah. Giants they've won three games after trailing by ten plus points. 
uh, tied for the most in a single season in franchise history. The other three seasons they did that, 2016, last playoff appearance, 2011 when they won Super Bowl 46, and 20 and 07 when they won Super Bowl 42. Now, I'm not ready to go there yet, but, I mean, between, you know, the offensive line, Daniel Jones limiting his mistakes, uh, Saquon Barkley, the production they're getting out of the defense, which really has not been at full strength really this year. Um, and really, let's let's just be honest here, folks. Brian Dable is the best is the Giants are the best are the most well coached team of any team in football this year. I, I think you really have to put it out there right now the way things have been. But I mean, the, just the the adjustments that this that this coaching staff has been able to do in the second half of these games is allows you to think that you know what even when we're only down a score maybe two that we still got a chance brian dable coach of the year candidate absolutely you i mean he has to be right up there i think what brian dable has instilled in this football team which granted it's not the most talented roster out there there is talent on this football team don't get me wrong right but their linebackers are weak fabian moreau was signed off the street to be our number two corner. Uh, we cut James Bradbury, Logan Ryan, and Blake Martinez all in the offseason, so our defense got worse. But it's gotten better. It makes no sense, but it makes complete sense because the scheme is better. As much as we love Patrick Graham, I like Wink Martindale more. I'll, I'll be honest. Our, we blitz 43% of the time. That's 7% more than any other team in the NFL. The Giants live and die by the blitz, and it's showing. Kayvon Thibodeau is playing great. You get the most out of Daniel Jones, putting him in uh, situations to be successful. Saquon Barkley finally looks like the running back he once was again. Um, these practice squad wide receivers are making plays. Um, even though they may not be coming up in the stat sheet, the block that David Sills threw on that Wandale Robinson touchdown, Marcus Johnston being a speedster down the field was finally signed to the Giants 53 man yesterday. These guys that you've never heard of before are making plays. What about Tanner Hudson? All these guys, Johnny, I, I don't know what it is. The coach Dable effect is in serious form. The Giants are 5-1. and one. They're way ahead of schedule. I still think this is a rebuilding year because it is. But we're 5-1. and one. Brian Dable 100% deserves coach of the year. Now, people will argue Nick Sirianni, which I get. He's 6-0. and oh, But the Eagles were expected to be good this year. The Giants were not. And that's why I'm giving Dable the edge over Nick Sirianni, who, by the way, would be my runner-up to Coach Dable right now. Yeah, our, I even even go with Kevin O'Connell there in, in, um, in True. Minnesota. I, I think when you look at, at, at them as well, but because it's really a trickle-down effect with, Bray, with, with Dable here. It's, 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 it's with the players, it's with the other coaches, with Martindale, with Kafka. I mean, it, it's, it's really falling with everybody. I mean, Wink Martindale was such, a, was such the perfect guy on defense for the Giants, too. Yeah. And – I mean, think about it again. The Giants, the secondary is not the, the greatest in the world. The defense is still not fully there, and yet they're limiting teams like Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to 20 points to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to 22 points. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it's got to be well known up there. Even, you know, against the Titans on the first week, you know what, they completely pretty much shut them down in the second half. Uh, it's, you know what, 
gotta gotta give Dable a ton of credit here. And I like the fact that you know what, I know there's been a lot of rumors out, you know, with DJ Moore there and Carolina possibly being out there and everybody's saying the Giants should go get him. You know what, folks, you have to understand this is still a re- Tom said it. It's still a rebuild mode. I would not be making any adjustments right now no. to this team. I'd keep them the way they are and write out the strength because you know what? There may be a reality check at some point this year, but you got you got to write out the strength with what you have right now. And yes, you may have a favorable schedule, but look, they're they're doing what needs to be done. This team might be going to the playoffs because of Brian Dable. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, no one started out this well since Dan Reeves did for the Giants in 1993 at 5-1. Hell, Jim Fossil won head coach of the year in 1997 when they went 10-5-1. So that just goes to show you right there. I think Brian Dable deserves coach of the year. And think about it. Some defensive rankings for the Giants. They're first in fumble takeaways with seven. They're tied for second in opposing rushes and completion uh, per game, per completions per game. They're fourth in opposing third down conversion. I mean, think about it. The, the Giants, the third downs, they could not get off the field in years past. Now they're getting off the field. And that, and you know what? I don't care how great your defense is. If you can't get off the field, it's going to get exposed. So right. that's crucial. They're fifth in opposing red zone, red zone touchdown percentage. They're fifth in opposing time of possession. They're tied for seventh in points allowed per game, and they're tied for eighth in the two in the two minute defense with three points allowed in the two minute defense. You're I mean, gonna have to send me some of those stats, man, because those are some fun stats to log in, though. Ab- absolutely, you know what? I know uh, our buddy Hank and Victor likes to use some Hank fun facts. I'm borrowing some fun facts for the show here today. Yeah, you're gonna have to one up them tomorrow on Big Blue Avenue. Yeah, but- I got a lot of shoes. I got a lot. Of, I got some big shoes to fill there, folks. So uh, stay tuned for that. But you know, I mean, it's look. I mean. We need something to smile about. I mean, I'm thrilled that as a Giant fan that it's late October and we're playing relevant football. I thought this year was going to be relevant in so many different ways, and now you add the fact that you've got a 5-1 and one team here. Mm-hmm. I think going to a very favorable spot next week. But, look, just the way we're playing right now, I mean. Incredible. Can't Yeah, can't ask for anything more. Incredible. And, you know, the one loss real quick, Tom, you know, it wasn't like they got blown out by the Cowboys. I mean, they, mm-hmm. were, they were there. I just think the – I think that was the one game where you really saw the Giants who still are lacking talent. I think that was the one game that you saw that. But they're showing that even with not being the most talented team in the world, they can compete. And they'll compete every week. Absolutely. Um, That's really all you can ask for. Yeah, 100%. Three more games to go over before we move on to our takeaways and then week seven. Uh, the Steelers upset the Bucks, 20-18. to 18. Um, Kenny Pickett got hurt. Mitch Trubisky comes in, gets the job done. Steelers were more efficient on third down. Chase Claypool had a good game, scored a touchdown. Tom Brady looked okay. The Bucs only scored one touchdown all game against a Steelers defense that's missing, T.J. Watt. Unacceptable performance by the Bucs. Great performance by the Steelers. Um, the Steelers are going to continue to win games this year that they're not supposed to because of, once again, their coaching. Their coaching is phenomenal. It always has been. On paper, they're not a talented roster. They're not a great football team. Their offensive line is not good. Um, Their secondary is pedestrian. Right now, their edge rushing room outside of Alex Highsmith isn't great. This is a football team that shouldn't, that should probably be one and five right now, but they're not. They beat Brady. I don't know if you view this as um, a Bucks slip up or 
the Steelers, you know, showing that they're going to compete regardless of what their record says. How do you view that? I think it's alarming from the Bucks' perspective, Tom, because if mm. you look at now these last few games now, they've lost three out of four. This game against the, the Steelers, the Steelers were down so many guys on defense and you still only put up 18 points. Now, I get that the Bucks' offense, I mean, their receivers have been in and out the entire season. But against that defense, you should be putting up more than 18 points. I don't care who you have. But this is now three out of four losses that they had. And let's remember one thing, too. The one win they have is against the Falcons when they were up 21 to nothing. And the Falcons come storming back. If it isn't for that roughing the passer penalty, they probably don't win that game. I mean, the Falcons were, were, were definitely had all the momentum there in the fourth quarter. And if it wasn't for that roughing the passer, they get the ball back and they could possibly can go in and score and maybe even win against Tampa. So it's definitely very, very alarming right now in, in Tampa what's going on now. Of course, you know, like we said, we're a third of the way through the season. Could they turn it around? Sure. But they've got a lot of uh, question marks right now. And they got to get healthy both offensively and defensively. Their second, I know the Bucks secondary was also banged up last week, but yeah. this is definitely a uh, – I'd be concerned right now, especially if you look at – the, the Falcons, who nobody had being three and three through six weeks, and they're competitive. They've been in and every game, and the Saint and the the Bucks right now have been yeah definitely some concerns. I, I think it's all the offensive line changes this year too, because Brady's doing his part. I mean, he's fifth in the league in passing. You know, he's still Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the, you could see a slight decline to an extent. Um, but he's still Tom Brady. And, you know, like I said, I think the Bucks will have their get-right games. They have a lot of NFC South games coming up. I'm still confident they're going to win the division. But there's no doubt that a team like Atlanta could be competitive and lurk around 500 this year for sure. But moving on to the game of the week, the Buffalo Bills finally take down the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. Josh Allen playing like an MVP-level player. Three touchdown passes, 330 yards, Singletary looked good on the ground. Stefan Diggs had 184 receiving yards on 10 catches. Gabe Davis back in the lineup healthy, scores a touchdown. And Dawson Knox, what a way to have your first touchdown of the season, a game winner against the Chiefs. And the real um, buy-in for me with Buffalo is the addition of Von Miller to that defense, two sacks on Patrick Mahomes. And Jordan Poyer, who wasn't medically cleared to fly with the team, drives 15 hours from Buffalo to Kansas City just to play. Coolest story of the week. Yeah. It is the coolest story of the week. And I'll be honest with you, Mahomes looked average. He looked average. The two interceptions did not sit well with me. Um, The thing is, yeah, Buffalo is a great defense, but you were looking really good in that first half there. No, you're putting numbers up. You know, Juju had 113 yards. Kelsey had 108 yards. But now it starts to wonder. Obviously, this game was a rematch of the 2020 AFC title game and last year's playoff game. But could this be a potential AFC championship game rematch, except this time in Buffalo? Well, Tom, I think that's one of two reasons why I think this was such an important win for the, the Bills on Sunday. Number one, was that, but also I think from a mental perspective, I think they needed to this game in the worst way to, to flush away uh, the demons of last year in that in that playoff game. Because now, when you look at it now, it I mean, it's not out of the realm that the, the Bills are going fifteen and two or sixteen and one uh, this season. Uh, you know, 
to me, the Dolphins are a playoff team, and I know they beat Buffalo earlier in the year, but that but if you remember that the Bills were so banged up defensively in that spot that I think that was a good chance for Miami. But if this team's fully healthy and stuff to me, they could run the table or maybe they'll lose one and they'll do 15 and two. But it's so big because now it looks like it's you're gonna have to run through Buffalo. Uh, mm-hmm. And if these two teams play again in the playoffs, it's gonna you're gonna have to go through Buffalo, and that's a totally different animal than uh, than Kansas City for sure. And I'm still not in love really with Casey's defense, mm-hmm. and that's another th- reason why I think there is a possibility that the Chargers can overtake them uh, in this division, and also why I think the Bills can definitely come out of the AFC as a whole and represent them in in Super Bowl Fifty Seven. With how poor the Chargers have looked at times this year and all the adversity they've been dealing with, they have the same record right now. That's exactly right. Same record. I get it. The Chiefs have the tiebreaker right now because they won that game earlier in the season, but there's still one more game left to be played. And remember, the Chiefs are going to be playing a first place schedule. The Chargers have a second place schedule. That's how it goes. But unless there's a key injury to a Buffalo player, the Bills should be in the Super Bowl this year. I'll go as far and say that. I think the Bills will be representing the AFC in the big game unless there's some odd injury to some sort of key player that really hinders their play late in the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my my AFC championship game – uh, prediction when the season started was the Bills and, and the Chargers. And we could still be trending down that way. But, yeah, mm-hmm. if, as long as they're fully healthy and stuff. I mean, this this Bills team is much better than it was last season. And the addition of Vaughn Miller, which I think short-term is so good. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it I mean, it, it it's really going to be tough to see how, again, barring some crazy injury that's not going through Buffalo, through the, the conference championship for sure. I'm not in love in the con- with the contract, but Brandon Bean knows what he's doing. He's been a very successful GM for the past five years now. And if you're going to win a championship, sometimes you have to eat that money and go out and get a player like that. And Buffalo's in the position to do that. Now, where I slightly disagree with you, Johnny, is that Chargers and Justin Herbert haven't – the Chargers under Justin Herbert have not played a playoff game yet. It's hard for me to see Herbert's first playoff appearance resulting in an AFC title game appearance. I won't be shocked if it happens. In fact, I hope it happens. But uh, it's still hard to bet against Mahomes, in my opinion, in at least getting to that game, if that makes sense. Well, I'll tell you, I think the reason why you would be concerned to be the Chargers, and I don't think it has anything to do with Justin Herbert. I don't think it has anything to do with Keenan Allen. I don't think it has anything to do with that roster. The thing that would stop the Chargers for me from making a huge, a deep run is Brandon Staley. Mm-hmm. I think that's what ultimately I, I. And when I made the prediction about the Chargers winning the AFC West, I was very hesitant. I was, I, I definitely showed some hesitancy. But I just look at that team; they're fully healthy. Uh, I think they're better than the, than the Chiefs. I think, I think Mahomes is the better quarterback, but I like the Chargers' defense more. And remember, they're doing this right now without Joey Bosa, yeah. who's out eight to ten weeks. Um, you know, Keenan Allen's been in and out of the lineup. That's the thing. Yeah, J.C. Jackson, that's that's a big deal. And yeah. think about the fact that the Chargers have played have not played perfect football at all, mm-hmm. I mean, and they're still four and two through six yeah. weeks, and they haven't been fully healthy. Uh, I think really you have we have not seen the true full potential of the Chargers yet. I agree. Now, the last game of the week I want to talk about 
is the Philadelphia Eagles beating the Dallas Cowboys in a game that looked like it was going to be a beatdown. The Eagles allow the Cowboys to inch back into the game, but they win 26 to 17. The Eagles are good, but they're still a suspect team to me. And here's why I say that. They outscored the Cowboys 20 to 3 in the second quarter. Jalen Hurts doesn't have to throw the ball that much. He could rely on the running game and his receivers to make plays. And the Eagles' defense is outstanding. Uh, the acquisition of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson before the season starts is huge. He had two picks on Sunday night off of Cooper Rush. Slay had one pick off of Cooper Rush. Rush had three picks in the game. Um, they, the Eagles won the turnover battle 3-0. For me, it's more of the Eagles' defense that's impressive to me than their offense. They have the receiver talent. They have a solid running back. I still have questions about Hurts. I don't care what people say about, oh, he's playing like an MVP player. No, BS. The Eagles' defense is the reason why they're this good, and they forced the Cowboys into 10 penalties on Sunday night football, and they couldn't win the game by double digits. To me, that's a, a red flag for Philadelphia moving forward. Um, I still think the Eagles managed to, to lose at least three to four games this season. Um, I, I, again, I still th- right now the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. There's no denying that, as there should as there shouldn't. But I still think there's issues on this team that are going to be exposed later in the season, just the way Dallas was able to chip away and get back into the game where your offensive line is not healthy at all. You don't have your quarterback. Dalton Schultz, again, still not a hundred percent was a non-factor. It's concerning. It, it wasn't concerning that night, but it'll be concerning after the bye, which is why I think this might be a good time for the Eagles to have that bye. This was actually my upset special of the week was the Cowboys uh, winning this game over wow. the Eagles. And it just didn't work out. When you, well, when you go into that game and you know about the Dallas pass rush and, and you said it, the four injuries on the offensive line for the, for the Eagles, I thought it was the, I thought it was a perfect chance for them to go in there, but you know, Cooper rush uh, turns the ball over three times. Um, I think now you're ready to get uh, Dak back there if you're Dallas, but I mean, he did he did a job though, but yeah, Philadelphia looks. Uh, I think there is a reality check coming at some point, but yeah. what they've been and even you know they struggled against Arizona, but then again at the same time you know with great teams find a way to win all kinds of games, whether it's ugly, perfect, dominant, close. They're um they're doing that right now. Now I, I do agree though. Can they keep it going? I'm not ready to say there yet, but I mean six and zero is six and zero. It is. And I, I do think the Giants are their biggest competition, even though Dallas did hand us our one loss. It was four weeks ago now, and the Cowboys, to me at least, don't seem to be trending in the right direction as where the Giants are. That was week three. The Giants are going to be better off later on in the year, I feel like. And But, I mean, we'll see what happens when it comes to Philly because they have a lot of divisional games left, and they're expected to sweep through that division in fact, if they're bound to lose one divisional game this year, it's to us. Definitely the way things are looking. I'll tell you one thing about Dallas real quick. I'm not in love really with their full offense. Their defense is great, no question about it. Mm-hmm. But I'm very curious, if you're going to play a shootout kind of game and maybe coming up this Sunday against Detroit, that's that. if you play a shootout, let's say yeah. against Detroit, it could be a shootout kind of game. Can the Cowboys play a shootout game? I don't know. It's interesting, right? We'll see. They what haven't happens. really been. They haven't really had to had to do that so far this year. But um, 
Yeah, I, but you know, Cooper for the most part did what he needed to do. He's not he's not fancy. He didn't have to you know do too too much. It was a lot of yards after the catch from Dallas's side, but there was also reality check last Sunday. So Johnny, we're moving to our week six key takeaway segment, and to shorten this up a little bit, I'll have each of us give a key takeaway from the week and. I'll start this one here because I really want to get this one off my chest. Sure. Robbie Anderson gets traded from the Carolina Panthers to the Arizona Cardinals less than 24 hours after being removed by interim head coach Steve Wilkes from the game, sending Anderson back to the locker room, and he gets shipped out to Arizona the following day. That is my key takeaway of the week. The Panthers are selling. They're the worst team in the National Football League. Johnny, no offense, because I know you are from the area, and I'm sure a lot of people are unhappy about that. But I will say this. Cliff Kingsbury is trying to save his job. He is on the hot seat. He was never a good college coach, in my opinion. He was average at best. Hell, Mm -hmm. he worked with Patrick Mahomes and couldn't get the most out of him um, in college. And we saw what Andy Reid has been able to do at the NFL level with him. Um, Cliff Kingsbury's on the hot seat, and this was a desperation move by the Arizona Cardinals, taking advantage of a weakened Panthers team. They figured, well, Robbie Anderson's in a vulnerable spot. Let's make the move. You took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, when you look at when you look at Arizona, and I know they're going to get DeAndre Hopkins back for their Week 7 games uh, tomorrow. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, the – Cardinals were trying to tread water until Robbie Anderson came. I mean, until uh, I'm sorry, DeAndre Hopkins came back, and now it's on a short week. Uh, that's a that's yeah. a very very good point, and they're desperate. That's that's really what it is. I mean, less than 24 hours, and yeah, I think Carolina's going to go into kind of a fire sale mode. I, I don't know if it's going to be a full fire sale because, as much as they're talking about McCaffrey, I mean, his contract makes it kind of difficult to trade him. Uh, DJ Moore, I think, is also a possibility. I know the Giants have been rumored to him, but I if I'm the Giants, I actually would not make that move. But, uh, yeah, that's definitely a good one to take there uh, as a takeaway. Uh, my takeaway, when I look at it, and it really is a takeaway from the first six weeks of the season, it's something I kind of echoed at the start of the show, I think we can, we can, dis- we can dis- determine who the best team in the league is and the worst team in the league is. And everybody else, you know what, you can throw right in the middle there because it has not been really a convincing kind of uh, start to the season for a lot of these teams. But I think the best team you see is Buffalo – and the worst team to me is Carolina. Uh, but everybody else, you know what? It's it's going to definitely – I think we're going to need some more time to really separate uh, the great teams from the bad, but it's it's been that kind of close here th- for the start. I agree 100% with you on that one. But let's move on to our Week 7 games because we have a lot to talk about, and we'll stick with the Arizona Cardinals for just a moment. They will be hosting the New Orleans Saints on Thursday night football. They're actually favored by two – to win the game. Both teams are two and four. Uh, will Jameis Winston play tomorrow night? I don't know if that's been revealed yet. Um, do you have any info on that? Uh, I believe, I think I saw it was, it was Dalton, but let's double check this here real quick. Because okay. um, I know I know that the Saints are dealing with a, a, a lot of injuries. Uh, they are waiting. Okay, according to um, – Aaron Summers, who co-follows the team, they said they're going to wait until game time about game who time started. I hope if it's the, for the Saints' sake that it is Andy Dalton. Uh, you know what? He's actually given the team a spark. I think Winston's uh, back injury is actually he's trying to be a, he was trying to be a hero, and it just 
enemies hurting them, no pun intended, more than yeah. helping. But when I look at this game, Tom, uh, the Saints are really a banged up. They've got, let's see, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Andres Pete, Adam Troutman, Marshawn Lattimore are all out. It uh, looks like Chris Olave, you know, their first-round pick from Ohio State, is going to play. So uh, he's got that. But even with all those injuries and stuff, I mean, they still the Saints were still able to put up 26 points uh, yeah. Sunday against the um, Bengals. Against the Bengals. The week before, they come back from London, no bye week. They come yeah. back from London and put up 39. So they're still able to put up points. The Cardinals are so desperate, and I don't even think Robbie Anderson or DeAndre Hopkins on a short week is going to make that much of a difference. And the Cardinals don't win at home. That's they've all three. Yeah. And, and even going back to last year, I think it's like seven or eight straight losses at home. Uh, To me, the wrong team is favored. And and I think we've been saying that about a lot of lines this year. And I think we're saying that a lot about this week. This is upset special number one for me. I'm taking the saints plus the two to win um, outright in, in Arizona. And I think Cliff Kingsbury's name is going to start coming up in some, uh, some fire, some firing talk here it's already come up if you scored nine points against a porous seattle defense that's absolutely horrible you're back at home against the saints on a short week i think there's a little hangover from that alvin Kamara has been a beast um last couple weeks i'm riding with the saints here as well kyler murray can only do so much over there in arizona another game that has featured a uh important move the cleveland browns Two and four are at the Baltimore Ravens three and three. Deshaun Jackson announced that he'll be signing with the Baltimore Ravens earlier this week. Nick Chubb for the Browns leads the NFL in rushing yards and has seven rushing touchdowns for Cleveland. Again, still quarterback questions with Jacoby Brissett, not looking too hot over the past couple weeks. Poor game management from the coaching staff. Um, I'm not going to go as far as, and say Stefanski's in trouble yet, considering what he was able to do his rookie year as their head coach. Um, I think you have to see what this team does when, um, I know this is cringeworthy to say, but when their QB1 is back on their center. Um, it, right now they're relying on their run game and defense. That's what they're re- relying on. In Baltimore, they're pissed. I know Rashad Bateman might not play, which is why they made the move for Deshaun Jackson. They have Devin Duvernay, Mark Andrews. Uh, Kenyon Drake's been a good boost for them. The Ravens are, quite frankly, frustrated. Um, Nice way to put it. Uh, The Ravens, I think they're favored by six and a half. I never touch divisional games. Six and a half is too thick of a line for me because it's a divisional game. And I do think the Browns have the ability to control the clock and keep the Ravens offense off the field and i think that has to be the game plan if you're cleveland johnny limit lamar's reps on the field and you have a shot but if they're unable to do that baltimore should win this game easily i do think the ravens win outright but that six and a half is a little alarming to me so i'm looking at it right now and it's come down to six okay Um, yeah so the ravens are favored by six i'm nervous about picking baltimore laying the six because of their defense but you know if the Browns are going to be one-dimensional here, and you're going to for if if you're going to be one-dimensional, uh, then you're going to force Jacoby Brissett into throwing the ball. And you saw last week that he was definitely coming back to earth a little bit. I think that the Browns' uh, early season success here—I know you can make the case they really could have won four out of the first five, if not all five. 
but I think it's it's coming apart a little bit here. And I'm a little hesitant to do this. I think you were too, Tom, but I am going to take the Ravens to win and cover, maybe even win by a touchdown. Yeah, Ravens will win the game, but I'm not sure about covering. We'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, our Giants at the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I, I, I'm not going to defend this line, but I want to explain why I think the two and four Jaguars are favored by two to win this game. Uh, the Giants have played only one true road game this year, and it was a one-point win over the Tennessee Titans that, quite frankly, the Giants only won the game because they converted a two-point conversion, and Brian Dable coached a good game. Um, their other road game was against Green Bay and Lam- uh, London. That's not a true road game. I know the Packers had more fans there. Also, um, the Giants lost the game they were favored in. The one loss we had against Dallas, we were favored in that game. And I do think it's also a combination that Vegas maybe isn't too high on the Giants yet. You know, um, they still might be underestimated a little bit. And the Jaguars also had a good win this year against the Chargers. The Jaguars might be the best two and four team in the NFL right now. I do think there's a lot in store. This is the Evan Ingram revenge game, potentially. And I do think people are looking at this game and saying, out of the Giants' next four games, which consist of the Jaguars, the Seahawks, the Texans, and the Lions, which team is the toughest out of the Jaguars, Seahawks, Texans, and Lions? It's a debate between the Seahawks and the Jaguars, but I think the Jaguars take a slight edge. Again, no Galladay, no Tony. Can Wink Martindale's defense force the hair into turnovers? That's what I'm not so sure about. I do think, though, that this is not a fair line. I think the Giants should be favored by one or two, maybe, or at least e- even even. Like, even even. I'm fine with that. Like a pick em, yeah. But Like a pick but I don't think Jacksonville should be favored by two. That's me playing devil's advocate and trying to get into the league's head as to why. Jacksonville might be favored here. Yeah, so let me just take a look at the I'm going to take a look at the history here and see if that really makes a difference and well so this line opened up last week it opened up at 3 and is fluctuated between 2 and 3 uh pretty much throughout the week. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think maybe just Jacksonville being home and they did show some life last week against the um, the Colts. Actually, if you look at the Jaguar games this year, uh, the game against Washington, they were the better team. They probably should have won that one. I think they're really their one dud was against Houston, and they actually still didn't play well against uh, – play that bad against them too. So I could see that. But they've been – also at the same time, they've been inconsistent at moments. You've seen the Giants being able to uh, – been. you've seen what they've been able to do uh, – I, I am going to take the Giants plus plus the three, and even if Jacksonville eats out a two out two point win, I'll still take it. So, I'll take the Giant. I'll take the Giants in the spot. I mean, the way that things are going right now, um, I think they're due for a reality check at some point. But I actually am more nervous next week going up to Seattle in a very sneaky in a place that's tough to play. That could be one of those sneaky games that Seattle steals. But I do think the Giants get this one done. And Doug Peterson does have some familiarity with the Giants, so that'll be interesting to see That's what happens. Point too, yeah. What happens there? The Jaguars can stop the second leading rusher in the NFL through six weeks in Saquon Barkley. And you know what? They're running. They they were great to start the year. The last couple of weeks, though, they they've had a tough time with the, stopping the run. Whether it was at Philadelphia, whether it was against Houston, 
Uh, they've definitely had some problems with running backs the last couple of weeks. AFC South matchup now. The Indianapolis Colts, 3-2-1 and one at the Tennessee Titans, 3-2. and two. Again, Johnny, earlier this year you mentioned that the winner of this division might have 7-8 wins. I think it might be a little bit north of that at this <laughs> point. I do think 9-8, and 10-7 and seven, uh, still could win this division. It looks like Jonathan Taylor will play. He's practicing in full today. So that running back matchup between him and Derrick Henry should be awesome. The Titans, after starting out 0-2, have won their last three. They're favored by two and a half. Again, Johnny, in the most sarcastic way possible, I am in love with this quarterback matchup this week. In love. (laughs) Matt Ryan against Ryan Tannehill. This is must-see TV. This is must-see TV, ladies and gentlemen. Um. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it not. might be one of the quicker games of the week because right. it could be all running. I mean, if Jonathan Taylor running plays, it definitely helps the Colts out a lot. But I will say this. The Colts have two young receivers that are really emerging quite nicely. And Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce, who had the game-winning touchdown for them last week. I think that game went into overtime, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and the Colts pulled it off. Alec Pierce, second-round pick out of Cincinnati. So they've been impressive. They've been impressive. Um. But I'm going with Tennessee. They're at home. They're the better coach team. I like Mike Vrabel a lot more than Frank Reich. And I don't know. Whenever people seem to doubt the Titans, they come back right up under you and prove you wrong. And I think they're going to do that again to a lot of people this week, even though the line is in their favor. Yeah, see, Jonathan Taylor is going to make such a big difference in this one because if he plays, that definitely helps out Matt Ryan a lot. Um, part, you know, he's been dealing with a bum ankle there. You know, he's had a down year so far. But, I mean, if he's practicing in full and he gives you something, then really the tiebreaker to me goes with Indy because I trust oh – boy, this is going to sound cringeworthy in saying this, but I trust Matt Ryan more to throw to Pittman than I do, say, uh, Tannehill throwing it to uh, – Robert His Woods. guys. What's that? <laughs> His guys, Robert Woods. Robert Woods. I mean, yeah. but they don't really have much else, man. That's I know another thing. I mean, but he's hurt. He's hurt. And uh, I just Brown's like gone. I mean, they don't really have much much else. I mean, I know Tannehill's one great game, which I called, was against Washington, and that was a favorable matchup. I don't know how much favorable this is um, because the Colts, I think, could score more. But the Colts are a tough team to figure out, too. Boy, this is such a tough spot. Yeah. Um, if Jonathan Taylor is healthy, though, I think the Colts are the better team. And I said at the start of the year that the Colts, to me, were the better team in this division. So they've got to get – if they're going to be the best team, they've got to get this one. So I'm taking Indy in uh, kind of an up – you know what? Second upset special in this in this segment. Give me the Colts. Uh, they are they are getting, what, two and a half there. They are, right? Yes, I, I have them at yeah. plus two and a half. Let's go for it. Upset special number two is the Colts plus two and a half over the Titans in what could be a very critical uh, divisional matchup in the AFC South. Despite me disagreeing, I do like that, Johnny. You go with the better team. I go with the better coach. That's the that's there you go. Yep. I go with better quarterback versus better coach. That's the that's the question. Yeah. Next up, and I'm shocked. If anything, these records should be reversed, in my opinion. But the Jets are four and two, traveling to Mile High or whatever they call it now, to take on the Denver Broncos, two and four. I think it's Empower or something. Empower uh, Empower Field, I think, at Mile High. Yeah. Broncos are favored by one and a half, but the Jets are three and oh on the road this year. 
What's the deal with Russell Wilson? Because he went in for an an MRI this week. Is he in or is he out? We don't even know. They lost Javante Williams, which was gut-wrenching. But, Johnny, do you have news on Russell Wilson? So there's no word yet, but uh, the name uh, Brett Rip, Ripkin can be Brett uh, Ripkin. Ripkin, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, – because we were ch- I was checking it out from my show earlier. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, the one thing that I'm a little hesitant on is Denver's defense is still very, very good. Um, yeah. I know that they've been banged up offensively and stuff. Um, and then you wonder also the Jets going into that mile-high air, how that's going to be affected. I would not be yeah. surprised, though, Tom, that if you're a betting person, that you actually see the Jets, even if it's only a one-point, they might end up being a one-point favorite by kickoff because Denver originally opened up as a three-point favorite, and I think that was before the injury to Wilson. Wilson's been banged up all year, and now he had a hamstring on top of the shoulder and the lat. Um, He's not going to play. I, it's hard play. to see him playing, and I tell you, I'm worried about Denver's defense. I would almost – the only bet I'd be more comfortable taking is the under in this one, which is at 38. I almost would take the under because it could be kind of like a 19-16 to 16 one. But I'm I'm going with the Jets. You know what? I mean, I'm worried about the defense because of how good Denver's defense is, but I just don't trust their offense. And you know what? Give me the better coach. Give me Robert Sala over Nathaniel Hackett. I'm taking the Jets uh, right now getting uh, a point against Denver. This is an interesting game. You know, the Jets coming off a couple of fantastic wins over the last couple of weeks. They're getting healthier. They're trending in the right direction. I'm also picking the Jets here. Um, again, I think Denver's going to be without Russell Wilson. They lost Javante Williams. They had to sign Latavius Murray off the street to back up Melvin Gordon. It's not looking good right now in Denver. And um, Nathaniel Hackett better figure things out quick because I don't know how much of a leash John Elway is going to have on a new head coach if he's unable to guide a team that's dealing with adversity to a respectable record. Um, So, yeah, that's my pick there. Moving on to the Chiefs at the 49ers. Chiefs are 4-2. 49ers are 3-3. The Chiefs are favored by three on the road. 49ers at 2-0 at home this year. Trent Williams' status I still think is in doubt. I don't know if he's going to play. It would be a huge lift if he does. But the Chiefs, offensively, they're just a juggernaut still. Kelsey, seven touchdown catches through six weeks, leads the league. Mahomes, 17 touchdowns. This is a rematch of the 2020 Super Bowl. Um, I'm riding with Kansas City in this one. I can't see them losing back-to-back games. And Jimmy G did not look great last week. They just lost to the Falcons. So how could we have them beating the Chiefs if they just lost to the Falcons? That's how I look at that one. It's 2022 and it's football. Uh, I don't know. True. You know, again, I don't know about the Chiefs' defense, but I don't know how the 49ers can put up uh, are going to put up a ton of points in this one. That's no. that would be the thing I'm, I'm concerned about. And yeah, I don't see I don't see KC losing losing two in a row. And you know that they're going to be kind of angry after the, their tough loss yeah. last week to the, the Bills. Yeah, I I I don't like the Chiefs. I love the Chiefs in this spot. I think they I think they do get this one out. Even if it's just by a touchdown, I think it's good enough. So give me Kansas City to win, um, and this is what probably is the best. What is the best game on paper of Week Seven? Yeah, there's not many good games this week, to be honest. But which is good because I have to go to a wedding on Sunday, so I'm gonna have to DVR Red Zone and the yeah. games that go on down here, and I'll watch them when I get back on Monday. So very nice. 
So, so to my, to, so to Danielle, she's watching my people from Glen Cove who actually helped me, who helped were a big reason why I was able to get Reaping Preview started. I'm going to say you picked the great, you picked the right weekend to have the wedding. You're, you're coming up North. I will be in, I will be up on Long Island this weekend. Ah, yes. There you go, John. Up Saturday morning. Unfortunately, it's going to be a very quick trip, but it's yeah. good to get back on a flight and good, it's good, good to get back home. Uh, even if it's only for a couple of days. That'll be me. That'll be me next week, flying down to Florida Friday afternoon, coming back Monday night. Beautiful. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, moving on. The Seattle Seahawks might be the most surprising three and three team in the NFL at the Los Angeles Chargers at four and two. Um, kicker Dustin Hopkins, who helped win them the game, will miss the next two to four weeks. Chargers might be the ugliest 4-2 and two team as far as performance and quality of wins. Justin Herbert, best offensive player out there on the field, in my opinion, for either team. Could coaching cost the Chargers here, though? It's interesting because they're favored by 6.5, but the Seahawks have looked good at times this year. I get it. They lost Rashad Penny. Their offensive line isn't good. But Kenneth Walker III is no slouch. He's an impressive rookie running back who I happen to like a lot. And then you still have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and touchdown machine Will Disley at tight end. So could the Seattle Seahawks cover or pull this one off, Johnny? Uh, I think covering is an option, but I don't think winning is. I have the Chargers outright. I, I, I agree. I mean, what I would worry about is the Seahawks backdoor cover in this spot. But, again, the Chargers are doing this, and it's been far from perfect. And, you know, again, a matchup of – Justin Herbert against Geno Smith and as great as Geno Smith's been, I mean, it's just, it's not, I don't think it's very favorable. So I think the Chargers do win. The question is, do they cover? I'm going to say yes. You heard it here first, folks. Shani Montalbano has the Chargers covering the six and a half point spread against the Seattle Seahawks this week. Uh, we might have to clip this one off if it doesn't happen now. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, that won't be the first time. In fact, in my picks that I do, I, I do, um, this is the kind of year it's been, Tom. I am oh, let's hear it. Let's hear 41, 50, and 3 against the spread in 2022. Oh, boy. Well, it's just been that kind, of, that kind of year. You know, teams are just not covering. You've seen a lot of big spreads, and they're just not covering or they're just not winning outright. It's been, it's been one of those years here in the early going. I hear you on that one. In our last game that we're going to talk about, the Steelers at the Dolphins. Steelers are 2-4. and four, Dolphins are 3-3. Three and three. This is the Sunday night football matchup, unfortunately. The Dolphins are favored by seven. They won their first three, lost their last three. Tua's back. Uh, I'm not sure if he'll have a significant impact on this game or not. They have the leading receiver in the NFL as far as yards go with Tyree Kill. For Pittsburgh, they have QB questions of their own. Will it be Kenny Pickett? Will it be Mitch Trubisky? Can they get Najee Harris going? 264 rushing yards through six weeks is not going to cut it. But, Johnny, I'll ask this question to you. How much of an impact can Tua have on this game, and who do you expect to start for the Steelers at QB? Well, uh, you've seen the difference. I think Tua makes such a big deal for the Dolphins' offense, and what I love about it is because while everybody's going to double-team Tyreek Hill, let's not forget who's he going to throw them to, his Alabama teammate Jalen Waddell. So – and you've seen Tua actually make some deep throws this year. And against the Steelers' defense, which is totally banked up right now, that secondary, which should have been exposed last week. I mean, you can expose it this week. And yeah. 
Kenny Pickett, I know, I think you've heard Tomlin say that he is practicing in full, but I tell you, I mean, if you're talking about a matchup of Tua versus uh, Trubisky, uh, that is that is such a tough spot. I think this is actually kind of a quote-unquote get-right game for the Miami Dolphins, and as long as Tua is healthy and stuff, I mean, that Dolphins offense looks totally different with him running it. I don't know if I ever thought about saying that versus a Bridgewater or a Skylar Thompson. So, to me, I'm going to take – the Dolphins to win and cover, say, by 10 in this spot? Um, I disagree with your spread only because it's the Steelers. As impressive as McDaniel was those first three weeks, I think Tomlin is the far superior coach here. And um, they just beat the Bucks. So if they, but again, I get it. They were at home, and I'm still going to call it Heinz Field for now. Um, I finally have learned how to. I finally learned the name of that stadium. I said by week 17, I would, I would get it. I actually got it by week week six. That wasn't too bad on my stand. What's it called again? Aquashore Stadium. Aquashore. Yeah. Aquashore. I don't think it's. Yeah, I just I just like to think of it as calling it like Aqua and then Shore, almost like the the yeah. sea. But it's not, okay. it's not exactly how it's spelled out, but that's how I think of it as. Um, Johnny, you're not going to like me for saying this. If Kenny Pickett wins, I, I, if Kenny Pickett plays, I think the Steelers win. I think the Steelers win if Kenny Pickett plays. Well, there's definitely a difference if, if it is Pickett versus um, Trubisky. Um, it's just the, the, the coaching again, I don't know what it is, but I have to pick some upsets myself here because the NFL has, it's been a season of upsets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it would only make this season more of a mess if the Steelers get back to three and four plus the Steelers haven't had a season below 500 since Ben Roethlisberger was their back since ever Roethlisberger never had a season below 500. I get it. New QB, but how much of a difference would last year have made with Roethlisberger and Kenny Pickett. They probably still would have flirted around with the same record um, if you think about it. So now I'm just looking and I don't know. I really don't know. I got Tyreek Hill, Waddle, it could be a factor, but I'm going to go with the upset here. I I just, I have to be, make one bold out there pick and this will be that one. The Steelers over the Dolphins. Just looking at the rest of the games here real quick. If I had to find one that um, I find as an upset, um, I know we've had some. I do find one that would look kind of in, kind of sexy to to almost pick as an upset. I know we didn't pick it, but um, it was definitely some interesting lines. I mean, Tampa's favored by eleven over Carolina. Uh, I, I mean, gonna, am I going to be insane? Am I going to define the true definition of insanity and go to the well three times in a row with Tampa Bay? This time they're laying 11 down there in Carolina against P.J. Walker. The Bucs are going to win spot. that game. No, I think the Bucs are going to win, but are they going to cover? Oh, that's, are they going to cover? The thing. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is the thing. Yeah, who knows? But I tell you, if I had to pick an upset special, how about the Texans against the Raiders? I could see that happening. I could see that. Ha- Actually, well, Johnny, I think – is that your upset for the week? Because that's our next segment. Yeah. Oh, our lock and our upset. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's do the upset special. And I give it's you a couple hot. of them, but they're you know they're 
their field goal upset specials. So sure. that doesn't really, that's not good enough. I actually, and even if they don't win this game, I'm going to grab the points definitely. But I think Houston could definitely keep it close if not winning against the Raiders. The Texans have been in every game this year. Yeah, they don't have the talent, but I mean, they've been in pretty much every game this year for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm not in love with the Raiders either with what no. they've had to go to. And now I know that Devonta Adams actually looks like he's going to play because of the whole policy that's there. But still, it's not like the Raiders have been uh, spectacular in the early going this year. I definitely think the Texans can, especially coming off their bye week, can definitely uh, make it very, very interesting. So let's just let's go for the upset. Texans over the Raiders. And their running back is very good. Damian Pierce had a Damian Florida. Pierce has been fantastic. He's there, a absolutely. God, like a stud. Um, so, um, for me, my upset of the week is the Giants. I think they beat the Jaguars. I think that's the safest one to pick. I, I think that's the most sure thing to happen out of all the potential ones. Um, I, I just think the Giants are the better football team right now. And it's hard for me to see them beating Baltimore, but then losing to Jacksonville the next week, unless something absurd happens. Yeah. So anything else you said you might've had a potential, another one. Well, I'll tell you that the, the one that looks kind of attractive too would actually be the commanders getting five against green Bay, especially if you look at Taylor Heineke Uh looking to looking to start green Bay cannot blow. Even even if they win games, Tom, they cannot blow out opponents. That's no, the thing. I mean, they, they, they struggled even to just win games this year. I think and Heineke yeah. could give them a little bit of a spark down there in Washington. You know, coming off that ugly win, Rivera very emotional. And now they've had ten days off. Yeah. I don't know if they'd win, but maybe definitely grab the points there with with uh, Washington. Um, I do have a lock though that I think I'm I'm looking at, and I do like a lot. What's that? Monday night football, I think the, the Patriots getting uh, laying eight against the Bears. I mean, the Bears just can't score. Now you're going to ask them to go on the road against the Patriots, who now have seem to have new life. Even if Mac Jones um, looks close to returning, you know, Bailey Zappi's given that team life. Their defense has been uh, fantastic pretty much all season. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's going to be a, a long night there for Justin Fields and the, um, and the, and the Bears. I agree. That's also my lock, the Patriots over the Bears. But to throw another one in there that I, I think could be um, an, an interesting one is um, just pulling up the games here that we had on, on tap, and I'll tell you in just a second. Um, I feel like out of all the games we talked about, my one lock would be the Chiefs beating the 49ers on the road. Um I don't see them losing again this week. So that's the one I'm going to go with just straight up. Um, uh, that's very, yeah. very fair. You know, the, the Tampa Bay Carolina line to me is too, it's just too big. Yeah, no, for sure. But that's going to wrap up our football talk folks. And now, uh, you know, we have about an hour before the New York basketball season it gets underway. Johnny, I know it's a busy night for you. Um, I actually forgot ALCS game one was tonight. They stuck with the schedule despite the weather delay. I thought it was going to be tomorrow. So when you told me to push the show up earlier or asked to push the show up earlier tonight, I'm like, oh, wait, wait a minute. That's a legitimate reason. You have the Yankees and the Knicks both on simultaneously starting at essentially the exact same time. But let's talk about your New York Knickerbockers. 
open up the season at the Memphis Grizzlies tonight um, at 7.30 p.m. Will the Knicks be able – I guess what are your expectations for the team this year? Like what do you expect out of RJ, Randall? Um, how will Jalen Brunson work out, Obi Toppin, those guys, pretty much the main guys. And what are your expectations for this team? So I've been on record as saying I think R.J. Barrett is shaping up to be the next star in this league. You know, he had a great year last year. I think he can take another step forward this year. Um, I think he's definitely got that kind of potential. The Jalen Brunson move I like a lot. Now, did they overpay for him? Probably. But you've got nothing out of point guard these last several years. I think I saw the Knicks were 30th. 29th or 30th uh, in the league last year in scoring from the point guard position. So by accident, Jalen Brunson's got to improve that. Julius Randle, to me, is the wild card in this whole team. If they could get the Randle of two years ago, then this team might actually be able to sneak into a a play-in tournament kind of game. I like what they're doing here with the rebuild. It's 15 years too late, but nevertheless, I I I do like the rebuild that they're doing here, and I think they are making some good strides. I think they've got some good young talent on this team. I like Mitchell Robinson as well. I like Toppin. I like Quigley. Uh, you know, I like McBride. I like the Grimes. I like. They actually have a good young deep team. Now, let's just let me just get this out of the way. I don't remember if I was on with you right after the Donovan Mitchell news, but I do want to get this out there. I would have loved Donovan Mitchell at the, on the Knicks at the right price. I don't think he would have just by himself though transformed this team into a top six team next yeah. season because there is one big problem the Knicks also run into this year and that's the Eastern Conference as a whole. It is as deep as it's ever been before. I mean, you're talking about the Celtics. You're talking about the the, uh, Bucks, the Nets, the – The Sixers. The Sixers, yeah. I mean, I'm going to rattle off a ton of teams here. Uh, Let's – the Sixers, the Hawks, the Cavaliers who got Donovan Mitchell. I think they actually could – if they're fully there, I think they can actually be a top-four team this year. The Heat are still very good. The Raptors are good. Maybe even the Bulls. um, Yeah. I think the only teams right now that you can see, you feel confident that you're better. I mean, the Knicks are still a good team, but that you're really, really better than are the Hornets, the Pistons, the Pacers, and the Magic, and probably the Wizards. So as good as the Knicks on paper, you know, the kind of young talent that they have, I still think maybe at best they're a 40-plus win team, and even that may still not be enough to get into the play-in tournament. But they're trending in the right direction. It's just the East is just too strong this year. I think the Knicks will win 36 games this year. Um, Again, it's not because of them. It's more because of the Eastern Conference and what they're dealing with, right? There's going to be a lot of challenges for this team. But I'm really interested to see how Jalen Brunson looks in the backcourt with R.J. Barrett. That should be very interesting to watch this year. Um, And I do think, you know, you can – you won't have to hold your breath now when – Mitchell Robinson exits the game. I think Hartenstein is a viable backup big big man who's been in the league for a while. But um, moving on to the Nets here briefly, they also debuted tonight at home in Brooklyn against the New Orleans Pelicans at 7.30 p.m. Ben Simmons making his regular season debut, I believe, right, for, for Brooklyn? Yes. And, Tom, he has not played a game in almost 500 days. That's crazy. So – how will this big three work out in Brooklyn, Johnny? And how many games do KD and Kyrie play this year? Because obviously, you know, last year, I know the expectations are different now because they don't. Kyrie doesn't have to worry about the COVID crap. But, you know, uh, 
How many games do those two individuals play, and how does this big three in Brooklyn work out? Uh, I don't know because, we, I mean, Kyrie's antics, I mean, now, granted, he's on a contract year, so that is something to watch, too. He's playing for a yeah. contract, so that might motivate him. Durant, I know, just started his four-year extension this year, but we all know about the off-season drama that he had, and supposedly they got it together. Now, let me tell you this, though, right now, folks. This is not going to be the last time we're going to have drama here with the Nets regarding either Kyrie or, or KB. <laughs> I mean, that's to be fair. Yeah. Uh, Durant's another year older. I mean, he's been in the league for a long time now. I mean, I think it's like 15 years or so. So yeah. you get a brace for an injury at some point there. I think the biggest keys with is Simmons. You know, what is he going to give you? Is he going to be hesitant to shoot the ball? Uh, you also going to need you're going to need your other role players to really step up as well and have a full team effort. So I think the Nets have a potential to be really good. I also think they have a chance to you know, kind of be on the deflating, disappointing side because again, about how strong that Eastern Conference is. But they'll they'll be a they'll be a playoff team for sure. But it's tough when you have a lot of as talented as that top three can be. You also still have a lot of question marks with them as well. And I really feel real quick. I do really feel bad for Steve Nash because I don't know mm. how the blame really falls on him and Durant basically begging him to get fired last year when you know we had to deal with Kyrie who couldn't play ninety percent of the home games. You had to juggle around a lineup pretty much every day because Durant was hurt for a while. And then, you know, these guys don't like to play the second half of back-to-backs. I I don't know how you have that fall on Nash. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. You want to say that Nash shouldn't have been the head coach in the first place? That's one thing. But now that he is the, now that he's been the coach there for a couple of years, I don't know how you put the blame on him when that happens. And my opinion might be in the minority on this, but this is a generalized statement about the NBA. I don't like teams that have this self-proclaimed big three that I'm the superstar and everyone else is just there because then they become the coaches of the team. And we've seen that never works out. Look at the Lakers last night. Like I actually feel bad for guys like, um, you know, Lonnie Walker, Austin Reeves on the Lakers, guys that are team oriented players that are doing their thing. And you could even argue I'll even argue, you know, LeBron James to an extent as well as a team player. But eventually these egos get in the way and you see the same thing in Brooklyn. Like what's going to happen? You know, like that's what really concerns me where you look at the teams that made the finals last year. Golden State, you know, their third best player was, I believe, uh, I would say Andrew Wiggins over over Draymond um, at this point. And then, you know, you look at – um, you know, the third best p- player on the box is Drew Holiday, who's a team-oriented player. There, there's no this me, me, me type of nonsense, and that's why these teams go far. You look at the Boston Celtics, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. They're just two young kids that have been in the league for a few years now and are trying to make a name for themselves, you know? Their mm-hmm. third best player is probably like a guy like Marcus Smart, who's the glue to that team. He doesn't, you know, as much as I don't like Smart and some of his antics that he's done on the field in the past, he is a very good player and a very important player, you know? So I think those things won't bode well for the Nets. And you're right about Steve Nash. I think he's, he, he's on the wrong side. Uh, he, he's on the right side of it, but it, it's, it's going to fall back on him and they'll try to use him as a scapegoat. I feel like. And if the Nets have a long losing streak at some point or a bad 10 game stretch, you know that this is going to come up again. Absolutely. It's be something to watch, but you know, if you want to give me to give, if you want me to give you my NBA prediction real quick for the finals, I actually like the Golden State Warriors to come back out of the West again this year. I don't think the West is that deep. I mean, it's got some great teams like you know we talked about them. Yeah. Uh, I I like 
I like Phoenix. I like Denver. I like the Clippers. I think Minnesota is going to be a very interesting team to watch with the Rudy, with Rudy Gobert being there to go along with Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. And a team to watch out of the West, how about the New Orleans Pelicans? Now, Zion Williamson's back. You know, he's going to uh, – Zion's back. Uh, we know how they started last year and how they were able to finish. Uh, yeah. C.J. McCollum, McCollum uh, who arrived at the trade deadline last year, and Brandon Ingram is there. Uh, I think the Pelicans actually have a chance to – um, surprise some teams and be very, very good in the West. But I like Golden State if they're fully healthy. You know, one of the reasons, one of the ways teams repeat is your same group of your same group of players. Uh, so I'm going to take them. And out of the East, I'm going to go a little kind of upset special. I like the 76ers to come out of the Eastern Conference. I think it's now or never for them. The one thing I would say about the Celtics, I I'm very curious to see Ime Adoka not being there this year. If that, how much it's going to, how much. It's going to affect them. So yeah. now we're never for the Sixers. I'm taking them out of the East. But I also think that we're going to see a repeat champion in the NBA. And I think Golden State wins the NBA title again. Yeah, I mean, I think the Warriors have a good chance of getting back. As far as the East goes, I'm going to go with, again, I'm a little biased, but I think <laughs> the, the Bucks are going to come out of the East. I think Giannis is the best player in basketball right now, in my opinion. And I think that goes a long way. And I think if there's one team that could knock off the Warriors in the finals, it is the Bucs. That's the one team that can do it. Um, not predicting that they will, but that's right. currently stand with not that. Not a bad choice. I mean, I think in the East, there's a bunch of good choices you can get out of the East. And Milwaukee is actually right up there. It'd be probably top three with me. Yeah, absolutely. But, Johnny, I want to thank you so much for joining me tonight. Appreciate absolutely. your time. It's always a pleasure time to be on with you joining the show folks make sure to like and share the show it helps with the algorithms and check us out on all of our social media platforms on instagram facebook twitter anchor if you like audio only and then youtube at review and preview sports appreciate all the support and johnny once again thank you for hopping on tonight really appreciate it thank you tom all right folks this has been review and preview hope to see you all next week have a good one hey everybody